listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. Welcome to episode 141, if you can believe that, of the Tetsudo Times podcast, bringing holiday cheer because 2018 is almost over. Uh, Thomas, we don't have a ton to talk about because this is the dead time for Maryland athletics because, unfortunately, finals happens and Maryland isn't playing any basketball games, but the early signing period is ratcheting up and people actually using it for what it's worth, and it's been a tougher year for Maryland in that regard because of the change in coaches, but there has been some stuff that has happened, and we should talk about it. So, since not much happened, we shouldn't have too much time to spend on capping off everything that we've talked about already with these uh, players that have signed. And Maryland signed, I believe, six on this day. Yeah, Maryland signed six. By the way, shout out to the early National Signing Day for, for being when it is for us college bloggers. Uh, it's, it's right in the middle of the dead period for basketball season. And well, it, it keeps teams. it keeps the clicks coming. For some teams, it does. Perfect for, for Maryland, Maryland usually. Maryland hasn't played a game in what eight days. Yeah, and it'll be eleven when when they take the floor and again. Then, Even and the women's that, team, it'll be ten days. A week. Yeah. So it does it does uh, eat up clicks, and it also reminds us that Maryland football exists in December when normally it doesn't. And recruiting is generally just when people feel good about their team and the, and the future and even you know that that's the thing with this class and that's where i'll i can go with this there is the overwhelming vibe vibe about everything that mike loxley has done is cautious optimism because you know th- they've only signed six players and they only have 11 verbal commits and they started the day with 10 um a, a kid flipped from yukon randy edsel's yukon to maryland should um, i laugh at that or should i Take that more seriously. Uh, well, I, I've definitely worded it such that I can, you know, people can laugh at it if they wish. Okay, so um, I'm okay with laughing at that now. Just the one little giggle should do the trick. Uh, um, it was more than a giggle. It was more like a really and an exasperated sigh. Yeah, and at the same time, like it's the number one tight end in Maryland. It's not like he's flipping kids from UConn just for the sake of it. I, I you know, this is Maryland. This is in theory, will use tight ends more in the future. Uh, under about in, in, in the new offense stay tuned to the testudo times podcast in 2019 for oh my god tight ends caught passes jokes. for all your tight end coverage yeah at this point here's the thing is like chigozi mokonkwo catches passes but also nobody on maryland really caught passes this year so the tight end jokes had to survive another year and chigozi mokonkwo doesn't deserve that but. no he does not particularly because if you can pronounce that name as an announcer you deserve a gold star Yes, uh, would, but especially kind of name that I can tell you as an announcer. I'd be rushing over to the SID saying, "How do you pronounce this?" Uh, the best one is uh, the best one is the walk-on running back who, like you, also you wouldn't even usually have to prepare for because he only got in one game this year. But his name is Ike Aguebu. Yeah, he played against uh, Illinois when Maryland was yeah doors off, and like and like he rushed for fifty yards in that game. It was a great so, game. So back to signing day. So yes. the the uh, I, I really wasn't sure what to expect. You know, last year, you know, Maryland, we kind of heard pretty much everyone was going to sign early. The class really took off in the summer, and there hadn't been a ton of change. They had like twenty some commits at the time, and almost everybody signed. 
Um, this class, it's it's a whole different thing. It's so small, and the staff is only. Loxley says they've been in contact with everyone, but they're not. You know, those those real relationships haven't been formed to the point that, you know, both sides would be comfortable committing to each other at this point, uh, for you know, for real, and in a binding fashion. And so, you know, that's why Maryland only signed six and five verbal commits uh, left unsigned leaves their options open. Um, I think all of them seem to be in on Maryland, and Maryland seems to. Maryland, like Loxley says, they have not pulled any offers. They have not dishonored any commitments, um, which is encouraging and it's nice to see and it makes sense because it's such a small class to begin with. Um, yeah, so most of the drama will be what can he add to this class? What kind of what caliber of player can he go and land from this area, from outside this area, from the areas of the assistants he hires? Who can he land over the next few weeks? Well, Isaac, and that, that's really what's going to be interesting. Because I believe the recruiting dead period ends on the 11th of January, right? And that's four days after presumably Alabama's in the national title game. So by that point, we should know a lot more about what his staff looks like. And obviously, if Alabama somehow gets upset by Oklahoma, we'll know a lot more sooner. But, hey, get, see that pun there? That was unintentional, by the way. So... We should see a little bit more at that point, but you can understand why it was so small, and Mike Locks has cobbled together something where we only have a couple of known assistant coaches, and I don't even think Maryland's confirmed that they are hired yet. Yeah, I mean, really, the, the ones you can tell are official are the ones who have been recruiting kids. Uh, John Papuchas has been recruiting kids. Elijah Brooks um, has, has done some of it, although Maryland hasn't had a lot of running backs, and the DeMatha kids who are committed elsewhere are still committed elsewhere. Uh, DeMarco Hellum signed with Bama, so that, that pipe dream is over. Well, um, I think in many ways that that's more for 2020 than it is for 2019. I think the idea that you were going to get any of them now was a bit of a pipe dream. I think 2020 and keeping the kids that are already here was kind of the goal of that. And yeah, that and that's one thing that Loxley said. is that His first thing is he had to basically recruit the current players, and that's what took up a lot of his time. He met with as many players as he could one-on-one. Um, he said there were some guys whose names were in the transfer portal, which, by the way, I've, like, they We've introduced that this year. We've a little bit year. about the transfer portal because of Justin Fields this week. Yeah. I mean, he's he's really doing some service journalism by accident. I know. Um, Isn't that great when you have the happy accidents of journalism where you learn about things you didn't otherwise know about because of a big news story? Yeah, and so it, it, so it does, you know, it's interesting to think of, like, I don't know which players would be on the transfer portal, but it makes sense that there is one. And that's when, you know, that's when teams contact him. Um, and we'll, we'll see how many players transfer. I would imagine a few, a few always do like no matter whether there's a new coach or not, whether it's a coach they like or not, you know, sometimes guys just get passed over on the depth chart and look for other opportunities. It happens. Um, it just doesn't seem like it was going to be you know, with Loxley now. It seems like it might be a trickle then. It wouldn't be. It would. It wouldn't be like big time players leaving the program just because they didn't want to be in the program anymore. That being number one, and I have. That, made... That's that's the fear that a lot of people you I know you had. Yep. I never really had it, but. Well, you have more connections than I do. I can only sit here looking and reading stories and saying I don't want to put two and two together because I don't want to see it add up to four basically that's fair 
So, but but it'll be interesting to see what, where he goes as far as like. Because I don't even Juco know what's kids. left. To be honest with you, I am not a recruiting guru. There are plenty of people who you could go to for that. You could go to Testudo Times. We'll plug Jared because he's very good with this sort of thing, and you should still read him anyway. He knows more about this stuff than I do. And as I said, I don't know much of what's left. I don't know what he could cobble together. You will obviously get grad transfers. You'll get incoming transfers, JUCO transfers, players like that. I mean, Maryland's best defensive player last year was a grad transfer. So I'm figuring Loxley is going to be able to get a couple to fill some holes, at least for the time being. And this brings it to another point about the entirety of the depth chart. And I was reading it today. Uh, they have almost no senior class next year. It is a very light group. I think they may have like 10 seniors or something like that. And also maybe like only 11, 12 juniors. It's a tiny class because there's a lot of red shirts. So if Maryland could kind of survive, quote unquote, for the next year or two, they could be in really good shape very quickly if this turns around as quick as some people believe it could. So I had it as like 14 seniors, and then the senior class after that is also really small because you might remember the year that like all the freshmen redshirted. That was DJ Durkin's um, first season. So that was the second year. It was oh. interesting because his, his first year where like half that class was Edsel recruits, a bunch of them played and then a bunch of them have since gotten passed and, um, you know, moved on. But yeah, the, the, like the next two senior classes are kind of light. So Maryland's going to be pretty young for a while. Seems um, like basketball, weirdly enough. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of harder to do in football, but it's just kind of the way, no, the way, it, I mean, obviously this is where we look at it. This is where we look at it right now, of course, sorry to interrupt, but as we say, like the, he's going to be interested, I think mostly in Juco and grad transfers and a couple of late guys you can add. I mean, there will be guys that he could add, but they're not obviously going to be the top of the top. But as I said, the top of the top is 2020. That's the big class. And we can worry about that when the time comes. So where are the major areas of need? We've talked about mostly how Maryland's really pretty good at the skill positions, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, they're in pretty good shape, but it's everywhere else where they're going to have some issues. So in terms of the players that did commit today of the six, you have uh, an offensive lineman, you have a couple wide receivers, a couple of corners. Uh, in terms of the big names, I mean, Isaiah Hazel committed, Malik Jackson is the tight end we've been talking about, that flip from UConn, Maryland, Levante Gator, Deion Banks signed, Dino Tomlin signed. I didn't realize his uncle played at Maryland. That's a new one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it gives you a little bit of context as to why, like, Mike Tomlin's kid would commit to Maryland at a very random time. Because yeah, he committed that, that on recruitment... – he, he committed in early November when Maryland didn't have a coach. Maybe they, he signed, like, a day – or announced he was going to sign, like, a day or two after uh, all the crap went down. And it made no it was sense. It was the following week, but oh, – Close enough. Yeah. It was, it was, like, during the basketball game. Yeah, the, that makes sense. Against Delaware. So I think that's it, basically. Yeah, so, I mean, those are the guys. And then the other verbal commits, there's another corner, there's another wideout, uh, linebacker, defensive end. And and and, and a running back. Quarterback. And a running back and quarterback. So it's, you know, there's still some, some promise. Uh, you know, wide receiver, Maryland's probably set in this class. Cornerback, as long as... Tavion Land, who is still their highest-rated defensive commit, as long as he stays on board, they should be fine at corner. They do graduate a, a good amount from the secondary, so you know maybe they'll try and add a safety. But well, he's also nicknamed Tank, and I want that in Maryland secondary. Yes, absolutely. 
that, that's that's important. That is the best um, name for our, a secondary nickname for a secondary player ever. Well, when also Tank when he committed, you know the the description I, I forgot who gave it to him, but it was he he's built like Will Likely, but he hits like Antoine Brooks, so and that's someone you want. Yeah, that's someone you want. Um, but but really the the areas they'll need to address most urgently are the offensive and defensive lines. The offensive line, as we know, graduates four seniors. There, there's still, you know, some blue chip talent, you know, in the reserve, but obviously not a lot of known quantities. And anytime you graduate four guys, you want to bring in a few more. And well, the offensive line last year had its shaky moments. Yeah, it was it was shaky in pass protection and really good run blocking. But at the same time, you know, there's a lot of spots to be filled. And mm. it, it, it's better for a team to get as many guys to compete for those spots as you can. Um, so they'll they'll probably look to add yeah. two or three even on the on the offensive line, um, a couple like on the defensive line. I'm sorry again for interrupting. It seems like they could be pretty easily going after some grad transfers or JUCO transfers in this area because when you recruit offensive linemen, you normally redshirt them for a year, and Maryland needs guys right away. Yeah, I mean there is there, there are some some reasonable possibilities that will probably talk about as as the year goes on um and the transfer market starts to really heat up but um this is so yeah, funny because the, this sport is so much like soccer with the fandom and then the random rumors that appear on sketchy websites that you have to pay for to find out about who's coming to your team it's almost like european soccer this it's kind of crazy i just have yeah to except we're all amateurs right Amateurs, yeah. Oh, totally. well, there are many of many teams in, in, in soccer in Europe I would definitely call amateurs, but let's not get into that. And then the defensive line is really the other one because Maryland graduates Jesse Annabonum, Byron Cowart, Brett Kalka, and Bitanyi uh, at defensive tackle. And at the moment, they only have um, Deshaun Holt committed there, and he still isn't signed. So they'll they'll have a lot of work to do there. But this year almost kind of feels like a stem the tide year, so to speak. And then 2020 is when Mike Loxley really can get, you know, his teeth into this. And we talked about it on the podcast before that 2020 is apparently one of the best years for football talent in the DMV in like decades. So to have him here for that is really enticing. Now, I don't know who said players are. That is a little bit further out than my purview goes, so to speak. But I mean, the number one player in the country plays for Damascus. So I mean, like again, Maryland will be in on if that. Said interests player. you? Maryland, Maryland was his first offer. player. Yeah, Maryland was his first offer in like ninth grade. Yeah, but now they'll really be in on him. Yes. So like that's what we're talking as about. As it goes. And I mean, prepare for heartbreak when it comes to that. But this is the kind of stuff that feels like. You know, Maryland might be playing a lot of 35-31 games next year. It kind of feels like that. Yeah, good work. So, is there anything else from the recruiting class that you noticed or anything that Mike Loxley said about the class that you wanted to mention specifically? Um, not necessarily. I mean, I think I, I, I touched on the thing that really stood out to me was that, you know, there, was, there were some kind of conflicting reports about how much the current commits had heard from the staff. Some had, some hadn't. Um, you know, at least Loxley said that, you know, he's, he's been in some contact with everyone, hasn't had a chance to really form a good relationship with everyone. And that's why not everyone has signed. 
but um, they haven't dishonored any commitments and they want to keep all those guys on board, which is encouraging to see, I guess, just from a, from a human level, those, those kids stayed committed to Maryland through everything. And all of them are pretty good players. Like they're all at least three, you know, mid three stars. Um, and so you would, that. yeah. And so you would, you would like to, to see that, you know, stay the case unless, you know, I mean, there, there's obviously the chance that things could, I mean, not go well in January, but it's a long time coming until January. And Mike Loxley probably wants to wait until he has more of a full staff formed and he knows a little bit more about what he has. It's hard to know what he has in maybe what, like two weeks, even that. Yeah. I mean, and this was always gonna, this was always gonna shape out like this. Um, and it's, it's kind of just going through this process and realizing that you know this is just a, a starting point like Maryland signed pro- less than a third probably of its class today Which... where most where most schools like nationally I think 55% of the class is signed which is going to be rare for Maryland in the years ahead I would assume yeah I mean like even last year Maryland signed 22 kids in December and 24 kids showed up total there's a long way to go for this, but most of that's going to end up getting played out in January. And that makes sense with Mike Loxley and with the fact that we have heard almost nothing on staff in the last couple of weeks. It's kind of gone dead silent, which is understandable because he's been focusing on recruiting and getting this taken care of. And now he's back in Tuscaloosa getting prepared for Oklahoma. And as I said, the recruiting dead period ends on January the 11th. So we'll start to hear a pickup of news. As we head into the new year, there is almost nothing else happening in Maryland basketball. There's a women's game coming up, uh, but other than that, really, there's nothing. So we're going to take a chance to look back on the Annus Horribilis, which is Latin for bad year in Maryland athletics. We could already tell you what the best moment is and the worst moment is of the year. So let's talk about other things that happened in Maryland athletics this year. And in terms of Thomas, I'm going to talk about this from a just covering perspective. This has been such a weird year for Maryland in terms of covering Maryland athletics, right? Because you have a basketball team that fell apart earlier in the year. You had a lacrosse team that defended his national championships, two of them that did, and then fell at the same point, right? You had everything that happened with football that never stopped, you know? And then you have you know, the piece of news that we've seen recently. And, of course, winning a national championship in soccer when no one thought that was going to happen. So, overall, what, do we, what did we think about 2018? I mean, I think 2018 for Maryland will be defined by what happened within the football program, you know, for mostly entirely for worse. Um, you know, it starts with a player death that should have been preventable. And, you know, just the way it played out, it turned into, you know, blaming a lot of different people for a lot of different things. The dysfunctional um, Yeah. And, and the, you know, a dysfunction that was found to, extend to the top and beyond the football program and and the way it played out just at the end after after all the waiting all the uncertainty all the reviews the report and all of that and then they try to keep the coach and then they fire the coach out of outrage and that's obviously simplifying it yeah i mean that's obviously oversimplifying it a bit we've got like seven different podcasts where we go more in depth on this but i will tell you this I have never done a podcast like the one you and I did. I think it was Halloween night when that happened. 
I've never done anything. And, and now this is episode 141, and there are obviously others in here that I have done. So it's not 141 shows, but I have never done anything like that before. And I could well, that was now, 133 and a half. It was. I called it a half because it was more of a sarcastic title, of course, because of what happened. Because we had recorded our big thing earlier in the day, and then we recorded the other one at night. It was absolutely maddening to have to watch that and get texts from people saying this is happening. And I went, this can't be serious, right? And then I looked and said it was serious. And then we immediately have a chat, you and I, and we have to immediately come and record. And it's one of the only podcasts I've ever done that I actually used audio drops in it, like actual production other than putting something in Audacity and editing it. It's like that was crazy. But even then, like we had that whole thing on happen with – DJ Durkin and leave right because that all dropped on a Friday in August you know what I mean and you were in, you were away at that point and we and you had to cover all that and then the podcast after I thought was like one of our better podcasts and now it turns out to be completely wor- not worthless but it turns out to be something like you look back and you go like wow you didn't see anything of what was coming down the tracks it's like we all just got kind of blinded by the lights of what happened in that situation and it then they barely beats Texas again Right? It's the weirdest thing we've ever seen. And that game also had an hour-long worth weather delay, too. Yeah, I mean, that game is, you know, the the best game that I covered this year, at least. Just the the level of pride that followed it from so many different angles. Um, and, and the nature of the game and the nature of the opponent. And the, you know, it was, it was a repeat. You know, just everything that went into that. You know, it was, again, it didn't turn into the season Maryland was hoping for, but it showed a lot. And like, you almost wonder, like, how could it have turned Like, that's anything? the game, that's the game Mike Loxley talked about in his press conference, and it was so long ago. And that's the game that a lot of people are going to remember from this year. That and the Ohio State game, I think. Um, yeah. Because none of the losses, except for Ohio State, were, like, particularly memorable. They were all just bad losses well, Temple like, was memorable yeah, for all the wrong reasons yeah but then they played like that again like three different times and their coach is now coaching georgia tech yes i it, it ends up being just that bizarre year and of course it started with basketball just falling apart which was another well, basketball thing. was a it was a slow fall apart too it was like they were injured but they were playing well but they were it was just they lost all the close games they lost all the road games they made bad decisions and, to lose all of those games. Remember the Michigan ending? Yeah. Like, that. that's one that will always stand out to me. That was emblematic of that season. And then, we're not talking, the second Michigan game was abhorrent. I've never seen a Maryland team get blown out like that at home. And then, Yeah, I mean, I think that, that one is the one that a lot of people point to and, and kind of tell themselves this team was a lot worse than it really was. But there was always, it was always, it was never quite right. It was never quite the right fit of all the guys um this year's team doesn't have a ton of depth even in its healthy form but you know it the guys are are a lot more closely knit um than than they have been in years past part of that is like half a dozen of them are freshmen that came in together part of it is they they went to italy beforehand and part of it is just the personalities on the team um and we'll see how that translates into you know the spring of 2019 but you know there there's still again cautious optimism with basketball but 
And even women's yeah. basketball had a lackluster year by their standards. I mean, they didn't have a great schedule. They lost to Ohio State in the Big Ten title game, and they, for the rarest of occasions in recent years, did not end up getting to play their games at home and lost in the second round. Like, that was a down year by women's basketball standards, right? Yes. I mean, and, and it was always going to be a down year because, you know, they graduated their top two scorers from 2017, which – you know, I thought it was going to be a, a real national championship contender just and because of the Sweet 16 star power there. Unceremoniously. Yeah, to a team that sort of arrived then and hasn't left the national scene since in Oregon. I just watched that game last night, and they looked really good. Yeah, I mean, and those are all – those are the players that, that sort of had their coming out party in that NCAA tournament. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see just how all that goes. Um, but with – with everyone who left the team after that year, there just wasn't as much left because um, they, they didn't at the time have any recruits for 2017. So they had they brought in Shanice Lewis as a point guard. You know, last year's team wasn't super deep. It wasn't – it had some star power but not a ton. Um, this year they added, you know, a, a top recruiting class to basically that whole team. Didn't really lose much. And so – and next year is going to be a lot of the same, too. It all looks like 2018 was the year you have to go to to get to 2019. And so to speak, for Maryland sports, it's like this feels like the year that you had to get through in order to get to the good. It's like when you look back on it in history, you're like, yeah, that, that year really sucked. But we, we ended up making, making it worth the wait. Like, I hope that's how it ends up looking back. Tune in this time next year to see if we were right. Probably not. We're probably not going to be. Oh, I'm not going to be right at all. I'm terrible with predictions. I predicted two of my teams. I thought we're going to make the playoffs. And if you know what teams they are and you follow my Twitter account, you know that I've had a lot of rage at them both this year. So I'm not predicting anything good to happen for a while. Just by default, I'm going to assume bad. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, but but then going through the other, you know, the non-rev teams have always been kind of the bright spot for Maryland. Like if you want, if you want to be happy rooting for Maryland, root for those teams, men's lacrosse, women's lacrosse, women's basketball to some extent, field hockey, men's soccer, the other ones. Uh, field hockey, this was really their up year. They had they returned a ton um, from a team that was kind of young last year, made a run to the title game. They made another run to the title game. Again, ran into some sort of buzzsaw, this undefeated national champion. Um, this year it was North Carolina. So... You know, that team didn't take home the hardware. Men's soccer, who started the year, and we talked about this in the last podcast, We they started the year without a goal for 476 minutes. They were they had a losing record in mid-October, and then they finished the season 9-1-1. They don't allow a goal for the last 499 minutes, and then they don't allow a goal in the NCAA tournament. They win the national championship. Which, again, comes, comes out of completely out of nowhere. Like, sometimes that happens with soccer, but... Yeah, even then, I was like, even watching those that team, the little I did watch, I was surprised by that. I mean, because here's the thing: is like it was not a fluke title. Like they turned into a a very dominant team, particularly defensively. It is much harder to get your attack going than it is defending. Defending is actually not as hard in soccer as you think, if you have the right talent and the right tactics. And yeah, so they use that base to to watched any basement team in the Premier League over many, many, many years. You'll know that that's exactly what happens. It's funny. I I, I felt bad comparing them to Stoke with Tony Pulis, but that's what it kind of felt like. They get a goal and that'd be the game. But hey, if it wins a national championship, they're 
See, in the Premier League, that might not be good enough to keep you in the Premier League. In, in the NCAA tournament, it's good enough to win you a national title. It always makes me laugh. And, and lacrosse comes off double national championships, and they both lose in the same game uh, in the semifinals. One of them lost to Duke. Which, if that's your if that's your disappointing season, then you're doing okay. Well, they had just won, and no one really was going to mind too much after they had finally won after all that. And we're talking about the men. The women win all the time, obviously. They have more, I mean, national championship success, even though they're both premier programs. But I don't think anybody got as bad at losing to Duke in the national semifinal as opposed to what happened if Maryland hadn't won the year before. Because, I mean, at a point you're like, you know what, you, that, that national championship was still great for a program that didn't have it. So, yeah, you, you could take one down and they'll have another chance. They'll, they'll still be one of the best teams in the country, both of those programs. You know, that's kind of like their floor in many ways. But that's what happens when you're good at some programs. Being to that level and losing is disappointing. Yeah, I mean, when that's sort of, you know, the floor. And, like, lacrosse, you know, the schedules are coming out. The All-American teams are coming out. You know, we'll start to really ramp up coverage of those teams in the coming weeks and months. And, you know, they're both going to be right back to where they always are, which is going to be fun. Well, here's the thing. It's like if you ever went out to somebody and say, hey, Maryland's great at lacrosse, they'd probably look at you if they rooted for some school that does not play lacrosse or is not good at it. It's like, who plays that? It's like, doesn't matter. We're still good at it. <laughs> yeah. And then you have to explain to them that it's like a Division One sport. It is a Division One sport, and it is a very big deal in the state where Maryland, well, is. Yes. And. Well I, said. It is, well, it's poorly said, but I can tell you, every time I've worked games at Centennial Conference and they go against Johns Hopkins, I always laugh. And I'm like, oh, Maryland's better at lacrosse than you. <laughs> that always makes me laugh. I've never said it, although I've wanted to. I mean, you think of, that's the weird thing with Hopkins, though, is like they're playing these D3 games in every other sport, and then the big, then they're in like the Big Ten and for have, precisely one sport. And here's the funny thing that none of you will care about, except me, when I've had to prepare to call Johns Hopkins games at my side job that doesn't pay me money, but I do enjoy doing because I like play-by-play. -play. Uh, they have the Big Ten standard template for their website. So when you have to go on and look at stats, it's the Big Ten standard template, right? Because they're technically part of the Big Ten. But no other school in that conference has it. So it's really jarring when you go to prepare for calling a basketball game for them. And their template is the same that you would see for any other Big Ten school. That's something that you don't otherwise notice unless it's basically me noticing it. But, I mean, they're really good at all these other sports. Need I remind you, it's just at a D3 level as opposed to a D1 level. Like, they're really good at baseball. They're really good at men's basketball. Women's basketball, less so, but they're really good at that sport, too. You know, they're pretty much good at every single sport they play in uh, because they have more money than anybody in the Centennial Conference. These are things you didn't need to know, but you now just learned. So what are you most looking forward to in 2019, I guess? Other than you graduating from Maryland at long last. Yeah. So other than that, I mean, I think I'm just interested to see where these, where these basketball season and seasons end up. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of promise with both teams. I think both will be more firmly in the national picture in the NCAA tournament picture than they were last year. And it's always more fun when, you know, those teams are a part of the conversation, I think. It's certainly um, better, certainly better than last year when one, when both of them had very much down years. But it'll also be great because this year we won't have the awful selection show in which Turner revealed the teams by alphabetical order. So 
there's actually some sort of surprise as to where Maryland might end up if they make the tournament this year. Oh, I forgot about the alphabetical order thing. Okay, in other 2018 things in sports that were terrible, that was terrible. Everything's polarizing now, I understand that, but there was not so much as universal hatred of that, and it was wonderful. I'm also fascinated to see what the net rankings turn into by the end of the season. That's another one. I'm really interested to see what net rankings turn out to be. I'm also interested in just terms of a college basketball perspective. Like, what does this season end up looking like? Because there's a lot more really good teams than there have been in years past, right? And this is also the year that we have three legit, like, we could see top five mid-major seeds in Buffalo, Furman, and Nevada. You know, it's like that's a kind of weird, right, where we're having this debate in college football about can we let the mid-major – non-power five schools in to the national championship picture this year you've got nevada who might go unbeaten in the regular season you've got buffalo who just went into syracuse and won and Furman who's unbeaten so you're like and that doesn't really count for mid-majors like after maryland played the mid-major from a season ago like everyone's favorite cinderella team ever yeah i mean and also your list doesn't even include gonzaga who's kind of not a mid-major they're not a mid-major in the sense that we think of mid-majors though they're not in a power conference obviously yeah, although, like, the Mountain West has had good teams, and Nevada's the latest, but... Yeah, but the Mountain West is not what it used to be. Correct. Obviously, and that that's going to be interesting. Obviously, I think in football it's going to be a really interesting year because we have no idea what Mike Locksley's Maryland's going to look like, but the optimism, I think, will just get people into the stands, which is going to be nice. You'll have the you first primetime game in four years, at the very least, when they play Penn State. And you'll have a lot of people who have reinvigorated interest in the program. And you don't know what life in the Big Ten is going to be like now that Urban Meyer's retired. So it's a transition. And that's why hitting on that 2020 class is going to be so critical for Maryland. And all the other sports, like this women's basketball team. I mean, I don't know whether they're a national contender, but they seem like a Sweet 16 team. And then if this is the building point, the next year, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, next year is the year that you kind of circle and you're like, okay, this, this can really turn into something. And all the other sports, I mean, gee, I mean, men's and women's lacrosse are going to be contenders. Figure field hockey is going to be contenders. What about baseball? I had a down year last year. Figure baseball has a chance to be further down this year. But oh, that's unfortunate. Maybe I shouldn't have mentioned it then. I mean, we'll see. Maybe they could surprise some people, but it does, you know, it doesn't look great. They didn't. They they lost more than they gained from a team that had a down year. That's unfortunate, and that always happens. Every now and again, and remember. 2019-2020, ladies and gentlemen, is the last year when Maryland doesn't get Big Ten TV payouts. We're counting down the days. Counting down the days till Maryland actually has money. <laughs> so, yes, uh, here, here, basketball on Saturday against Seton Hall, basketball against Radford while you all want to watch the college football playoff semifinals, which I certainly do. But Yep. And then when they get back, we will definitely be having a couple games to talk about. This is probably the last of the normal type shows for 2018. Might have something else coming around the pike before the end of the calendar year. Stay tuned first week-ish of 2018, uh, 2019. Jeez, I'm going to get that wrong so many times. And we will have more to get to. We'll have real podcasts after that. And by that point, we'll have a lot of news and we'll have more stuff to talk about. But hope you enjoyed 2018, minus the Anna Cerebris for Maryland. I Certainly enjoy doing another year of these podcasts. We're now up to 141 official numbers, but we're now up to like 145 of them that I've done. Very exciting. And we look forward to a positive 2019. And hopefully everyone at Maryland could have it after having probably one of the worst years ever. But 
It probably can't go further down from here, but I'll jinx it because I said that because this is the Dysfunctional Viper Pit. And this is the year that also gave us my new favorite phrase in all of sports, the Dysfunctional Viper Pit. And you will hear me use that over and over again. I even used that to describe another team that I liked that I was rooting for, and I don't think anybody got the reference. Probably for the best. But until then, of course, thanks to everybody who's been on the show throughout the year. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you in 2019. But until then, of course, we'll see you.